Welcome to Back on Track with your host, Troy Track Select. And if you're listening, you are one of the select few. It's been so long since I've been able to say that. I have not been able to talk to you guys in what seems like ages, but it's only been a month. Um, but before we get too deep into all that, I do have some announcements. But let's go ahead and introduce our guest here. We have someone we have never spoken to on the show before, which is a rarity. A lot of people are, uh, they come back. So uh, why don't you tell us who we're talking to, man? Yeah, for sure. What's up, y'all? It's Anthony Murdoch II. I go by Murdoch. I'm a purpose-driven, action-oriented, serving leader in Proud Product, Indianapolis, Indiana. So I'm a lawyer. Graduated from the IE McKinney School of Law this past spring. I'm a business coach. I'm a business professor at Butler. And ultimately, I'm in the business of becoming the greatest powerpreneur that Indianapolis has ever seen. Appreciate the opportunity, bro. Yeah, man. I appreciate you for coming up here. Um Everybody who's been listening, we've been having a lot of academics on the show. You see what circles I'll be running in. I don't be hanging out with no dummies. Uh, but I'm glad that y'all hanging with us, and I'm glad that you came down to the show. This is actually something that's been in the works for, I don't know, several months at this time. I think one of the first times I met you, which was way back at, like, a, I think it was a Circle Storytellers mm-hmm, event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Way back. Yeah, so that was quite some time ago, and that is when we first kind of met, and sometime soon after that, I I asked you about coming on the show, and after that, it was really just a matter of me taking the time and inviting you for a time that actually worked, and I'm glad it's finally come to fruition. No, for sure. Me too. I'm thankful for the opportunity, bro. Yeah. Um, Real quick for y'all at home, because I haven't been able to talk to you in a minute. Uh, long story short, started a new thing called the Select Few Sessions. I don't talk about that much on here. That's probably going to be another podcast entirely. Um, you want to find out more about that, you should go to my Instagram. You need to follow if you're not already. Mr. Troy Track Select. That's where I'm most active on. You can also go to at uh, Select Troy on Twitter. But Instagram is definitely the best place to go to find out what all that kind of stuff is. But essentially, you can see me in person on a monthly basis now. Uh, before you had to wait three or four months so I could write up a live podcast. I know y'all was rocking with the T Pain podcast and the uh, Usher podcast; those were live, and that's a lot of fun. But that's that takes a lot of time. But this allows me to do something monthly, live and in person. So we just have local Indiana artists that we go to different areas in Indiana, in Indianapolis specifically, uh, that the natives deem special, and we have local artists. Who will perform for a little bit and then we'll do an interview with them afterwards it's a ton of fun you should definitely come out if you can do so all those dates and stuff will be announced uh on my instagram and my twitter and one's already happened on the 22nd we got another one october 14th at the uh well i i can't even say because the poster ain't out so follow instagram to find out all that kind of stuff murdoch do you want to announce anything um, any social medias that they need to follow before we get this thing kicked off? Yeah, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at amurdoch underscore ii. You should be able to type in Murdoch on either of those platforms and my stuff pop up, but amurdoch underscore ii. That's how you tap in with me. Appreciate it. Cool. So the first time that I met you and I talked about doing a podcast, you said specifically well you were down to do it and the first thing you said was like yeah hip-hop saved my life bro Mm -hmm. and so after that i was like okay we're just gonna do an episode about that so that's what the title of this episode is if you have seen it unless i changed it i don't think i'm gonna change it though (laughs) um 
So I guess I just wanted to do an episode talking about songs that were hip hop songs that kind of saved our lives or with this big inspiration or changed us in some way. Um, because I don't know, it made the most sense to me since that was the first thing yeah. that we ever talked about. So you guys know how this works at this point. I'm going to let Murdoch go first and choose whatever song he wants to choose out of his lineup. And we'll go back and forth um, after that. So go with what you want to go with, man. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go in chronological order. Okay. I think, cause I think we had talked about in that same conversation and if not in that convo, definitely convos to follow that hip hop saved my life a number of times. So it wasn't just one time, but it did it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, music is therapeutic for me and hip hop language gave me words. I didn't know I needed to explain emotions. I didn't know I had. And that's a lot of what I meant by hip hop saved my life. Mm-hmm. And so the first one, man, I'm gonna go back to, to my high school, college days. Uh, with really high school, for real, for real, mm-hmm. uh, with Meek Mills, Ready or Not from Dream Chasers too. So if you know me, you know my employment journey officially started at McDonald's. I worked there all throughout high school and then also in, in college. Mm-hmm. And sheesh, I've, if you've ever worked in fast food, uh, definitely McDonald's, you know, <laughs> it's definitely a, an experience. Yeah, It's an experience, um, especially depending upon what you're doing. You know, I hated being up front, having to talk to customers. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my time when I could was spent in the back washing dishes or in the freezer um, unloading the truck. Okay. And again, for those that are listening, if you ever watched, you know, worked at McDonald's, you know that when you wash the dishes, the water's super duper hot, easy to burn yourself. Or if you unload the truck, the freezer got super duper cold. So it's real, real easy to lose sensation in your fingers. And I think in those kind of circumstances, there will be times where I would realize that my current predicament was not what I wanted it to be, but I knew that it was going to set me up to get where it is I was supposed to be. And I would listen to Dream Chasers 2, that mixtape, over and over and over again. But, man, as I as I understood what hip-hop language meant, learned more about Meek Mill's story, man, I grew to understand that that song, Ready or Not, man, it just really, 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 really meant something to me. Yeah. And this idea of whether or not the readiest world for me, here I come. And then he just comes in so strong, just talking his talk. And and then he starts talking about what does it mean to be called Meek Mill? Because the meek shall inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on this thing until I'm buried in dirt. And that resonated with me. You know what I mean? This idea of my present circumstance is humble. This is very, very humble beginnings. But people who appreciate those humble beginnings and leverage their story in those moments to make themselves who they are, that's who the world sleeps on the most. And when you're the underdog, you got leverage on everybody. And so that's kind of why I wanted to start with that first song, just off the strength of where I was in that moment. In those McDonald days, man, uh, I was able to, I wouldn't say develop the work ethic. I think that was developed when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. But man, making that first dollar, getting that first check, seven twenty-five an hour. Everybody talking about $15 an hour out. Man, that seven twenty-five was different. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. The seven twenty five. I remember talking about what is minimum wage when I was younger, and you know, just hearing that phrase seven twenty five is yeah. kind of a wild thing to hear. It now. is. Um, you you can't do too much with seven twenty five. You can't do anything with seven twenty five. You cannot. Um, definitely not now. Definitely not now. Couldn't do anything with it back then. <laughs> no, you definitely can't do nothing with it now. Um, yeah, Meek Mill, I was I was so happy that you chose I was happy with a lot of your choices that you chose this one because I also had a lot of experience with Meek Mill, specifically this era yeah. of Meek Mill, because this 
to me is peak mm-hmm. Meek Mill. Mm. Before his albums come out mm-hmm. is really when I, at least when I spent the most time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he had become a bigger artist and stuff and was doing bigger stages yeah. and stuff. But this seemed like when he had the most hype behind yeah, for him. Sure. When I talk about an era, we're talking about mixtape, my mixtapes, you know, Spinrilla, Datpiff. Yep, yep, I spent yep. a lot of time yeah. on those websites. HipHopDX.com, LiveMixtapes.com. I spent a lot of time yeah. on those tapes. And uh, and it's crazy now that we're in the streaming era where some of those tapes are now on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, right. you know, they weren't always allowed to be because nope. of sample clearances and stuff. So a lot of people have started to bring some of those old mixtapes on um, Datpiff because if you have an iPhone, there's no way to really hear it on your phone on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just nice to be able to listen to the song yep. again and yep. go through Dream Chasers 2. Yep. <laughs> I I had it downloaded on my phone at the time and I had I had Meek Mill as a as my ringtone. Ringtone. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. Yeah. But like yeah, yeah, cause we don't do really yeah. don't really do ringtones for real. Yeah, that was anymore. an error. Like you could set it up if you had Android, iPhone, they they just don't want you to do nothing. No, but either. if you had Android, you could set up and I had to ask my friends, like, yo, how do you do that? He's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you gotta go to your settings. Yep. yep and then yep, you click on yep, this song, yep, yep. three dots, you can set it as your ringtone. So like people called me, I think I had uh like cold hearted or something. Cause it's actually mm-hmm. yep. Some of the songs are not on Spotify, so it's not on there. But if you probably go back on the actual mixtape sites or maybe just look up the entire actual track list of the mixtape, this song mm-hmm. wasn't on. This song specifically was, but this other song was not on there. So it was just great to um, to hear him talk again. Um, and he, he mentions one of the funniest things about Meek Mill is if you listen to him enough, there's a lot of themes that he goes back and Absolutely. says the exact same thing all the time. You can tell this is when Meek Mill first got his Ro- Rolex yep. because he mentions oh, about this is the time that that's the only watch he knew about at the time. He didn't know about any other watch. He won't wear he no came Casio. From humble beginnings. He came from humble beginnings, my boy. No sure. Casio, no Seiko, no Audemars, no Timex, no. It's that Rolex. Just the Rolex. And he ain't going to say Rolex. It's Rolex every single time. <laughs> he talks about, you know, ain't nothing changed but the bezel on my roll. Oh, me, bro, that's funny. That's just one of the funniest things. I was like, and that's what it is when, you, when you're rapping about stuff that you actually do. You're like, well, this is what I know. Yeah. And this is what I got. So I'm going to rap about this Rolly. But it's also like, just think about even if we can't identify to a Rolex, like mm-hmm. think about your favorite pair of shoes growing up. Yeah. Like you get that one pair of shoes and you wear the hell out of them shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's because that's the only nice pair of shoes you got. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to wear them like, they the best thing ever. And they're going to get beat up. They're going to get torn up. But they always going to have that new shoe feeling. And I think that I relate to just that hunger, bro. Mm-hmm. And I, I know what you said about not to cut you off, but to that yeah. piece about the era, right? You're right. I mean, and also, and this may be a separate conversation. It may not be. But what the mixtape era meant then, mm-hmm. I don't even think we had that right now. No, this, this is a different thing. Right you know now. where I'm coming from, Doc? Yeah. And part of that definitely has become a streaming. Um, and just the role that that's played, and you used to not be able to listen to these. To your point, it was it was a rarity. Like the be the ability to be able to listen to a mixtape, just like that, was hard. And and so now, nah, I mean, I, I think you're right. It spoke to a different era, but I can relate to what that meant for his brand. You know, I've come to listen to him more and more now than I did then. He's produced a hell of a lot more music. Yes. Um, but but nah, bro, that that hunger, is unprecedented, bro. Meek Mill was my favorite rapper at a point. I go through cycles with yep. different rappers and stuff. So 
I have a lot of people who had been my favorite rapper at a point in time. Mm-hmm. Meek Mill was one of them. Also, though, if you were somebody who sold crack, I'd listen to what you had to say. Mm. Like, if you were a rapper who sold crack, well, he might. Let me, let me see what he's doing. Very provocative. I, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know, know what that, that means, means for either, me, bro. <laughs> my spirit. But I do know if you were selling crack, I was like, okay, he got something going on. Uh, but <laughs> Meek Mill, I remember running. I don't think I've ever told this story on this podcast before. But I remember I used to wrestle. I was wrestling in high school. And one of the things you have to do sometimes is you have to cut weight. Nobody else cares that you have to cut weight, but you you have to do that. If you're an ounce mm-hmm. over right, right, right. weight, you are disqualified from your match. And so one of the things I had to do in order to stay on weight is uh, I would run in the morning for like 30 minutes. Like I just run mm-hmm. for 30 minutes outside. And I remember I had Meek Mill playing yes, specifically. Sir. And it was another, He I think he has multiple songs called Cold Hearted, which is so funny. Yeah, there's three. Yeah, so... Uh, but he has another song called Cold Hearted, not on this tape, but on an album. Yep. And I remember just running to it. And there's a point in Diddy starts talking. Yes, to sir. You. Yes, sir. Diddy's yes, on sir. the song. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So he's talking to me right now. Yes, sir. And yes, it's sir. cold. It's in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. running by myself mm-hmm. outside because ain't nobody else outside. Nope. And he's like, do you want this money? Yeah, do you bro. want this? Da, da, da. And I'm like, I want it. <laughs> I'm just like tearing up, running. <laughs> That's hilarious. For my life. Trying to lose yeah, these yeah. extra couple pounds. But Meek Mill is, I mean, a serious contender. Like, this is before all the jokes had been made about Meek Mill. Right. Before, you know, this is what Meek Mill was just a straight up thug. And this is before the Drake beef. This is before him dating Nicki Minaj. This is straight up hungry mm-hmm. Meek Mill. Still in the streets, probably to still some in degree. Philly. Still in Philly. For still sure. in Philly, for sure, represent Philly. And they go, they go yeah, they do. Or Meek Mill in Philly. They do. Um, so I don't know. This is just such a time um, for me to listen to this stuff and and hear it again because it's almost a. It seems so long ago. I mean, it was about ten years now. Yeah, ten years, which is wild to think exactly. About. So it was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, this whole mixtape thing, I've never seen. Very few rappers have people excited about a mixtape. Yeah. Like waiting on the release date of a mixtape. Come on, Doc. And I remember this was, I don't want to say it was necessarily breaking records when it came out, like Dream Chasers 2 and 3, mm-hmm. but it was a big, oh, big yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was like all these, they had ads showing Rick Ross responding to um, how many downloads there mm-hmm. were for his mm-hmm. mixtape. So mm-hmm. that's a crazy thing. And a lot of times I was mad that these weren't albums yeah. because. They were good enough to be, mm-hmm. and they were definitely long enough to be. They were, oh, it was yeah, all yeah. original stuff. Oh my god, yeah. I think there were a couple. There were a couple songs in there where he was rapping over somebody else's beat, but I mean, it's still amazing just to hear and go back. So if you want to take some time and see what it was like in the past, uh, listen to a Meek Mill mixtape, and you can see just the difference in in all the time that's crossed since now and then. It's hard to get the context of how how serious we took Meek Mill at the time, but we took him very very seriously. And we should have, yeah. I mean, still rapping now. Yeah, he rapping. Still doing shows now. Still dropping albums now. But it's different. It's different, no doubt about it. But to be able to last this long, come on, man, and still have a fan base of some kind who come wants on. to see you, and if you drop something, you know, people are gonna talk about it to a degree. That's very impressive. In the music industry, 
especially in the hip hop industry where you have to drop music all the time. Mm. I don't think any other industry forces you to drop as much music as hip hop does. It's a very hard working genre and that's just part of it is the whole hustle culture. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got for that one. Unless you, uh, no, I think, I think the, no, I look forward to hearing your song. I think the only other thing I say about, uh, the meek piece is he still got that hunger. You know, he just dropped a single early mornings and the video, the the song is fire, Mm -hmm. but the visual, bro. And he goes right back to Kensington, Philadelphia. And man, I just encourage people to watch that visual and then watch the visual as you listen to the song. From the way that the song starts to the way the song ends, he just never lost that hunger. And y'all know he's going through the whole label stuff right now and moving from where he was to a more independent situation because apparently... The contracts weren't legitimate, or they were legitimate. I'm not saying that Rock Nation was taking advantage of him. Mm. But I do know he's working to renegotiate a lot of this stuff and just figure out where he is economically as an artist. And I think that's part of the reason why he never lost that hunger, because I think he's still been hungry this entire time in one way or another. And we've seen that translate from the Dream Chasers mixtapes with one, two, three, um, to what we're seeing now with you know Expensive Pain. Mm. And, and I think that's a that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, he's always had something going on. I mean, he did go to jail in the midst of yep. big deal popularity and came back out. He did. Very mm-hmm. excited to get out and drop more music. Yeah. That's all we can ask, really. No, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to Meek, man. Shout out. Come on the show. <laughs> okay. That'd be fire. Um, so I guess I'll talk about my next pick. I think I'm just going to go with uh, Lil Wayne, Three Pete. Mm-hmm. And I think I need to set the scene. Set the scene, brother. For people to understand why this was such a big deal to me. It's 2008. My president is black and my Lambo's Come blue. Come on, Lambo's blue. Okay. All right. Lil Wayne drops the Carter Three. Whew. Okay. Okay. Understand that I probably didn't get into it immediately when it dropped, but just heard like all the singles and stuff. I was actually at a friend's house, really like my mom's boyfriend's house, and he had a kid, so I was hanging out with him. But I remember he was a few years older than me, so not much older, but I just remember those situations being like, it feels like it's more, you know, I'm there, and we talking, but we're not friends necessarily. Like, I think adults forget with small age gaps in kids, you it's kind of like they watching you sort of, but not really because – he don't need to watch me. But anyway, and I remember he gives me his uh, iPod like to listen to a couple songs or he let me play around with it, which is something that you can't even say now because people don't use iPods right. anymore. There's no need to. Um, and we're streaming again, which has changed the whole landscape. Everything has of changed. All of that. But he gives me his iPod that has songs downloaded on it because that's what you did at a certain time. And um, there's something on there. I'm probably looking through there. And I see Lil Wayne. It's like, oh, I like Lil Wayne. Let me see what he got. And he's only got one song by Lil Wayne. It's called Three Pete. Never heard it before. Didn't even, never heard the word Three Pete before. So I, I was like, this is weird. What is what is this? I don't even know how to pronounce this. Learn the term from Lil Wayne. That's yeah, I mean. learned Three Pete from Lil Wayne. And it was an out-of-body experience. Because... 
every line that he said made sense to me. It was like what I would have said the next thing. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I say this. And then you, then you do it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's exactly what you're saying. That point. And um, I just I feel like I really to get the full frame of what's going on. We got to look up some of these lyrics for his brother about to do a song breakdown because oh just just a little bit. We're not going to go through every single line, but it's important. Some of these lines, what they were for me. I can do the whole. I didn't. I haven't listened to the song in years, but when I put it back on, you lock back in. I never. This is scripture, okay? <laughs> I never forgot anything. This was one of the last songs that I took the time to memorize. Not the one of the last songs, but it was like at the time where you would still memorize yeah. verses. I don't really do that too much anymore. Like I would look on YouTube for the lyric videos. Mm-hmm. You learn every you single learn lyric to the song. This is one of the, you know, one of the ones that I remember doing that for i haven't done that in years at this point but um just a couple things that that blew my mind at the yeah, time no 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 do your thing brother okay um just saying you know i might go crazy on these niggas i don't give a motherfuck i was like oh he's on to something that there. one resonated with you that, because it made me want to go harder that's really what the song did for I me for you. it made me be like no, I, there's another level. That's what it was. This is why the song was so important because it showed me it's very few times in your life where you distinctly remember, oh, this is this is the next level mm-hmm. and and not knowing that it existed before and like, oh, I can go harder than what I've been going yeah. at the age yeah. of 10 or 11. Right. But I was like, no, no, I need to I need to pick this pin up and start doing something like i need to i need to do something i don't know what i was striving for at the time but you need to be but this made me be like no this is what i need i love that for you bro and um talking about getting your baby kidnapped i'm all for i be talking about community and stuff joy a funny dude but there's also something in me that wants to cause harm not for real but for real so you know, saying stuff like that is really what got me. And, and every single line, just, again, the next thing always made sense. Get on my level. You can't get on my level. You're going to need a space shuttle or a ladder. That's forever. However, I'm better. If not now, then ever. Don't you ever fix your lips unless you're about to suck my dick, bitch. That, I'm right here going crazy right now. That line right there, I was like, oh, yeah. That's that's what I would have said. Don't wow. you ever fix your lips. And that's oh why every single thing, it just it made sense. It made chronological sense to me. Wow. And so there's a ton of ton of other things that he references in here. I can't go through every single thing. But um but I will say the very next line after Don't You Ever Fix Your Lips, where he's like, swallow my words, taste my thoughts, and if it's too nasty, spit it back at me. That I was like, Yeah, because that's what you would say. If you said something about swallow, oh, it's about to come, it's about to be a spit line in here somewhere. Jesus. Now, should I have been knowing about all that stuff when I was 10 or 11? 11? (laughs) No. But I did. There's no going back now. Um, Troy. He made click references from Adam Sandler on here. I was like, I've seen that movie. It's hilarious. I loved click. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, I do this shit for my click like Adam Sandler. I control hip hop and I'm going to keep it on my channel. There is a point. Lil Wayne is one of those rappers where it was like, at a point, Lil Wayne was everyone's favorite rapper. You know, he, and there aren't too many rappers who get to say that. 
Mm. Uh, very, very, very few. And I think that's that's what makes him a legend in itself is that you could say, yeah, there was a point in everyone's life if you were around at this time where you're like, oh, yeah, Lil Wayne is my favorite rapper. Yeah. And you have to remember with three Pete, with the Carter three, he's coming off of singles like Lollipop. I had mm-hmm. the music video for Lollipop downloaded in my phone. Yeah. Okay. Lollipop was different, bro. Also went nuts. He had a Millie, which oh went gosh, insane. Also memorized all the words to that song. Everybody had to memorize the lyrics to a Millie. Yeah, that was. Also, it's very few songs where uh, everyone memorizes every single word to mm-hmm. it. Like yeah. Big Mill had Dreams and Nightmares. Yep, yep. But most people have kind of forgotten. Like they just yep. remember that first little bit mm-hmm. that you. But not the actual. Yes. But like everyone knew all of the words to a Millie. That's hard to get people to do. And that beat is not a super catchy, not the beat, but that song is not a super catchy with the chorus that's like, oh, Mm -hmm. bubblegum pop stuff. That's not what that's doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had Mrs. Officer, Mm -hmm. which is still a club classic today. You go Mm -hmm. in a club right now and they'll love hitting that. That's going to go up for sure. Every single time. And I know I'm missing one more. Um, Oh, Got Money with T-Pain. I shouldn't have forgotten that one. We just talked about that in the T-Pain episode. Anyway, um, that, that's that's really what 3P did for me. It, it changed my life in the sense of, no, I got to go harder than what I was doing before. And I was 10 or 11. That made me feel like time is running out. Yeah, <laughs> 10 or 11. We've got to do this now. See, but that's the beauty of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like in so many words, uh, that's what Ready and I did for me at that time. Again, I was in high school, so I was few years your senior but still and it's amazing how a rapper and that like Lil Wayne was not going through what you were going through at 10 or 11 but even his ability to communicate his passion the way that he did in that song made you feel like I'm proximal to this and what am I going to do about it mm-hmm. and again man that's just the, I think that's the beauty of this genre of music bro um, it, it's just it's ability to, to translate emotions and you just feel it bro yeah it's a you were 10 or 11 like, yeah, oh, man, it's beautiful, bro. Great choice. Thank you. I think the only thing I have to say is at the end, he says, I'm back, three peat. On the card of three. Okay, of course, three peat. Oh, doing it a third time. Yeah. That means also championship. Yep, yep. Okay? Yep, yep, That's yep. what you're, and this is the first song on the album. This is the intro. Kicking it off. That's how he started this off. Then let you know, C3. The Carter Three, and like I know this stuff now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the world of hip hop now. Everyone's a connoisseur. Yeah, everyone is dug deeper than mm-hmm. the biggest hits. But this is what we were on in two thousand eight. Anyway, beautiful stuff, bro. I'm just gonna leave it on there before I just say the whole song. He will definitely and kill another that. three minutes. And he will definitely do that. Yeah. All right. What's your what, uh, <laughs> what's your choice, man? My second one. I'm going to go with uh, Chaining Day by J. Cole. Okay. Yeah. Good Chaining choice. Day by, by J. Cole. And so you talked about setting the stage. I think Born Center by J. Cole was probably the first project I fell in love with. Hmm. Like top to bottom. I think this is one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. No question. Definitely for me. Hmm. I think the, and, and part of the reason why, again, was, again, time is important. And I think we talked about this off air. People don't fall in love with their favorite songs just because of the song. 
but oftentimes because of the experience they're having around the song and where they were and who they were and what they were experiencing when they heard it. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the time in my life when I was listening to Born Center, I was in college. Um, religiously, I was listening to it in college. Jacob also in college. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I think, and I think early on in college, we would have so many conversations around the Kendrick versus J. Cole conversation. And it was because I think college students listen to Kendrick, but J. Cole spoke to college students in a way that, and then again, folks who wasn't in college or couldn't make it to college listen to Cole, but Kendrick spoke to those who weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that they communicated and what it was that they talked about, and even their demeanor and their voices on the track. So again, for, for Born Center, I was, again, I talked about hip hop language uh, at the beginning. On Born Center, I hear J. Cole using hip hop language in a way that we would champion folks like most deaf for back in the day. Where the, the, the terminology and the vocabulary was so intentional. And the message in between those tracks, everybody everybody may not be able to understand the messages within the messages, but you could really take time with this this song and, and treat it like art. Mm-hmm. And I and I went so far as to do that on my college papers. Like Chaining Day was one of the first songs I ever referenced in a paper. And after Chaining Day, it was um, Caged Bird, okay. uh, which was J. Cole and Omen off of the first um, Dreamville mixtape. And so like when I just start thinking about what hip hop means to me now, I think the first time, and, and when I say hip hop, what it means to me, it's so much more than music. It's a culture, it's a form of resistance. But again, man, it, it gives you words for emotions you didn't know you had. Chaining Day did that for me. And I couldn't go anywhere, people probably got tired of it. I couldn't go anywhere without talking about Chaining Day mm-hmm. and consumerism and the role that capitalism played in how we as black folks saw ourselves in different environments. So that's definitely the the next song. And, and like I said, Born Center came out when I was in high school. But man, when I got to college, I saw it click and I was able to translate hip hop into my studies. And then, you know, you know me now, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Chaining Day, definitely my next one, bro. Chaining Day, I was also in high school. Yes, because it's my third So Born Center, I would say, was when I was in high school. I do remember going over it. Um, listening to it now, Chaining Day specifically, because at the time, I listened to some of Born Tenor, probably didn't listen to all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because every, I see this a lot. Whenever someone, and I'm used to dealing with black people, so that's who I'm going to talk about. Um, but whenever someone got a new job, specifically men, I don't know if, I'm sure women did the same thing, but this is, again, just who I was around. Whenever, uh, a kid in high school got a job. I mean, one of the first things they do is like, you see them start to go up on all the new shoes. Oh, yeah. all the new we have money to pieces spend. of clothes, all the whatever. Because you grew up your whole time is like, well, you know, a lot of times you go to your parents. Well, you know, when you get a job, you can do yep, and you do whatever you whatever. want, right? And so you're like, shoot, man, you used to not having no money. And you just got to deal with whatever people give you, yeah. whatever people feel like giving you. So when you finally get a little bit of money, you're like, Shh, I'm finally going to buy all the stuff I've been 
talking about and it's been in my heart for the last forever. So I remember watching one of my friends working at McDonald's. You get all the new shoes, all the new clothes, whatever. And I didn't, at the time in high school, I didn't have a job. So, um, you know, I just saw him do that. And I was like, that's great. But I knew it was like, shouldn't be necessarily, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, you're not making, for instance, when J. Cole, he's a rapper. So he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars and can actually right, buy a home yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But when you're a kid, you you spend money like that where you're like, it um as long as long as the money's in my account, mm-hmm. I can afford to buy the side. Yeah. Um which is something unfortunate because a lot of rappers are so young, they have yep. that same mindset. Yep. Yep. And it's kinda like their first job, yep. first real money. I mean, you know, rap money, a lot of times when they really do that blow up thing, you talk about, oh, I just got an advance for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, they're gonna go spend fifty thousand on at least a piece or whatever. And so when you grew up and that's your first thing and you're not thinking about, you know, you're 17. A lot of these people really are really, really young. They're not thinking about, let me go buy a house. They're like, shoot, let me buy this mm. chain that I've been wanting to buy forever. All the rappers always had this right, chain. Right, that I saw all the rappers wearing. Yeah. I want it bad, too. I finally got a chance to get it. I'm going to go get it. So definitely a message that uh, you see happen all the time. Um, and it's, you know, it's tough, but it's hard to be like, you ain't never had nothing. And now I finally got a chance to get something shiny get something new, get something different. I don't, most people are not thinking about, let me make this investment thing that I'm going to see come back in 30 no. years. Because most of, be honest, a lot of people, depending on what kind of areas you was living in, not even used to seeing people live that long. No, sir. So it's like, I ain't got time for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I got time for right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me see some, let me see some shine right now. Yeah, no, and I, and I think too, I think that's part of what the song highlights as well. Um, and it's bars, there's so many bars in there, bro. Bro, there's so many bars in there, bro. Like, it's, it, and it's funny, man, because when I was in college, I would also realize that the way that I was internalizing hip-hop was not the same way everybody else was internalizing hip-hop. Mm. So going lyric for lyric, going bar for bar, and talking about its implications on our community, and everybody wasn't listening to hip-hop for that reason. Um, but I really think that's one of those songs, if you ever tried to, you could. And you could learn a new lesson mm. in every stanza. In every, what are they called? Uh, not quartet, couplet. Couplet is a, a word. It's usually two, two little lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that, man. Yeah. But, but yeah, my whole point, man, is just I think Cheney. And again, at, at that point, like you said, like when you get to making money for yourself, like what do you do with it, and why do you do with it? And to your point, a lot of rappers start making real money, and just like athletes, entertainers, a lot of black entertainers. They're all young. Yeah, all those people are. You know, 19 Seriously, in the bro. NBA. 20. I want to get something cool. Yeah. Because those needs to be validated are still very, very real. Mm-hmm. And also to your point, we have to make generational wealth building sexy. And like that's even a new thing, like for the culture to be all about generational wealth and entrepreneurship. And so at that time, it was a, and he talked about it, like the gold chain, the the platinum. You got platinum? Is that platinum? You know what I'm saying? And so it, it's levels, bro. It's levels, bro. That uh, generational wealth thing is like last five. Yeah, bro. To seven years, maybe. I'm telling you. That I've been seeing a whole bunch. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I'm not, um, I am not exempt to the rule. Uh, I definitely, when I was in college, I had a little bit of money. I bought a couple chains. Mm-hmm. I ain't buy no 30,000 piece. No. But I bought some gold plated. Yeah. 
with the CZ stone. That's cubic zirconium. Okay. Back in the day, it used to be you had cubic zirconium. That was not cool at all. No. But I made it sexy with the CZ stones. Love that for you. Um, but yeah, definitely got me a little something. Yeah. Uh, but you know, even as I got a better job, like there was an inclination. As a matter of fact, I had a list of things. Mm. I called it when I got my first internship. I called it a. Uh, Things to fuck up a check on in Indy. Stop playing with me. It's Are a list. Serious? I'm dead serious. It's my phone. It might still be there. But I didn't because the pandemic hit. So then it was, uh, we were just in the house anyway. It stopped your greatness. It did stop me from starting. I mean, I was going to hurt some feelings. It's going to hurt some feelings. But what were you going to get, bro? Be honest, because I knew what my limits were. Still going to get some gold plated with the ZZ stones. <laughs> going to get some uh, some little tennis chains. With the big rocks hanging. I was planning on being a menace. My friends, if you've ever hung out with my friends, they've known me to make videos and wear every single watch in the video that I own oh my goodness. on one wrist. All the chains that I own on one neck. On one neck. Right on, one neck. on one neck. On, on one neck. Not as gifted as others. I'm one neck. <laughs> All the bracelets because I just had to make you feel it wow. if you want acting right. Um, but I, you know, like I said, it's is totally understandable. There's a watch I really wanted to get, mm-hmm. like a real, real nice one. Um, I'm gonna tell y'all what watch it is because I don't need y'all being like, well, damn, you can do all that. Yeah, but it was a nice one, and one you guys wouldn't even understand because y'all don't really like watches like that. Ooh, but he called y'all out. But, um, but it was it was. I was like, man, what am I? I really wanted it, but then I was like, dang, I kind of want to buy a house. Mm. I kept having this thought. I was like, what else should I be doing with this? Yeah, it yeah, felt yeah. weird to spend a certain amount of money on something, even though I really wanted it and I had no, I had nothing. There was no downside necessarily. Like, I would be totally fine. I got good savings, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Went without it. So, hopefully it'll pay off. I think it, it will. will, bro. And I can always go back and get it later. You definitely can. Yeah. All right, y'all. Um, do you have any more thoughts on Chain Day? I always have more thoughts. I want to hear your next song. Okay. My next song. Um, we're gonna go with Changes by Tupac. Oh yeah. Because That's a good one, Doc. That's a good one. Just a good just a good uh sequence to go in. So when we were having this conversation and we talked about hip hop save my life, I was trying to find some inspirational stuff. I always want to go goofy first because we talk about serious stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So I want to go goofy first, which is why I got the three-peat, yep. even though that did change my life. Mm-hmm. It's not play like that. You take Lil Wayne seriously. You get it right. You get it right. Get some respect on his name. Yeah. <clears throat> but Tupac Changes was actually a very big deal for me. Again, same era. 10-11. Very foundational years. Very. Um, I was listening to a lot of stuff were you going at the time. <laughs> I remember I was listening to NWA as well Oh yeah. at the time. Just, just whatever. Anyway, so uh, Changes... Is actually isn't on like a regular Tupac album, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. It was just it's on the greatest hits, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Because I think it was one of those songs that he never put out when he was alive. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent on that because I haven't done the all the research, but um, it's only on a greatest hits, and it's not an album, which makes me think it wasn't. Uh, it didn't come out officially before he had passed away. Anyway. So uh, I was listening to the song, and I think one of the things that's amazing about it is it's still extremely relevant right now. Yeah. 
as relevant as it was yeah. in 98 when it dropped. Turns out he recorded 92 mm-hmm. from what I have seen. So six years in a difference, no change. And that's kind of the point is the first line he says, I see no changes. Mm-hmm. And here we are, same thing. I see no changes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess going through it is like, there's a couple things that he says that really stick out to me. Um, I think I'm going to go with cops give a damn about a Negro, pull a trigger, kill a nigga. He's a hero. Mm-hmm. And I remember that always stuck out to me as a kid because even then I understood and I'll, you know, you're only 10, 11, but when you're black in 10, 11, there are certain things that you just are aware of that other people your age who are not black may not have to be aware of. And so that stuck out to me because one of the first things I thought about was um, the fact that there is a case in Philadelphia with a woman named Rikio Young and the city of philadelphia has to pay her two million dollars because at the time of a lot of civil unrest uh and riots and things like that she accidentally turned into a protest area and essentially the police ripped her out of a car and like beat her up Mm -hmm. with batons and things and separated her from her children and so what they did was they put out um this social media post of them holding her child and be like, we are the thin blue line. This baby was by themselves. And uh, we're the thin blue line protecting this child from all the civil unrest and stuff. Having a great photo op for them. But then you find out, well, what really happened was right. they pulled her out of her car and beat her up. And that's the reason why she's not with her children anymore. Yeah. That kind of went with the same thing of, well, they just hurt somebody. But here they are making themselves a hero. Mm-hmm. But of course, at the time, and even now, there are plenty of times where they shoot someone mm-hmm. and they have been held up as a hero. Thankfully now there's a lot more accountability and there's still a lot of, um, there's a lot of bad press on it instead of just they stopped a criminal. Mm-hmm. But it's that kind of stuff of where there's still a lot of police brutality going on in the year 2022 is what, 30 years later, mm-hmm. almost, you know, close to the twenties, but this was really recorded in 92. So really exactly 30, 30 years later. Nuts. Um, another thing talking about, you know, I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. And, you know, unfortunately, Indianapolis just passed a law where they made it a lot more difficult to feed the homeless, Mm. um, where basically you're not allowed to in certain areas anymore. They cut off. It sounds weird to say Medicaid, but they cut off some support. So basically it is now illegal to feed the homeless in Mm -hmm. certain areas. And basically if someone makes a complaint, uh, and they call the police, you're done, and you're getting your sis- your situation shut down, and you might go to jail, mm-hmm. honestly. So when you hear about that kind of stuff and how, I mean, horrible being homeless is and how violent being homeless is, um, if you've ever been hungry, like really, really hungry, you haven't eaten in a day or two, you're, you're willing to do anything mm-hmm. to eat something mm-hmm. after a while. Uh, a lot of people haven't ever experienced that. A lot of people have, which is unfortunate. But if you think, because they decided it was like about crime and stuff, but really they're just trying to push homeless people out of the city. Um, if you've ever been hungry, you're going to be willing to commit a crime to eat something. So if you think that's going to stop crime or slow it down, that's very incorrect. I'm sorry for you. 
But you know, it's in and another thing that was crazy about the song is that it immediately um felt nostalgic, which was nuts to me at you know, ten or eleven. It felt like just immediately hearing it, it was like, dang, I wanna go back to that time before things were this mm-hmm. rough outside. Um but life has always been tough. Yeah. Literally always. So I think it's amazing to write a song where someone immediately hears it and the first thing's like, dang, like I do want to go back to to that. Even me being so young at the time when I first heard it. I think another thing that breaks me up about it is he talks about uh, it's time to fight back. That's what Huey said. Two shots in the dark. Now Huey's dead. Talking about Huey P. Newton Mm -hmm. of the Black Panthers. And, you know, one of the things that was crazy was that we all know at this point, or maybe not, but the FBI and the CIA were targeting a lot of these Black Panther members or really any black revolutionary leaders and killing them. And so I remember that stuck out to me one time because I remember with Infinity War, Marvel's Infinity War came out, and all the superheroes are dying Mm. in the movie. and People are crying in the theater. And, you know, it's a very emotional movie, whatever, I get that. But I was like, yo, in real life, they were killing my heroes. They're dead. It's deep. And they're gone. That's what I have to live with. And, you know, it's not a movie. It's real life. And it was just really crazy to kind of make that connection at a point. I was like, man, like, this happened to me for real. This happened to a lot of people for real. Heroes are gone. From by your government, of all things. Yeah. Um, because, you know, at the time, Black Panther Party was about, it gets skewed a lot because they, you know, had their whole... Um, protect ourselves thing a lot of people got drawn to that but they were about feeding the children and teaching kids how to read and just helping the communities in general and that is really what terrified um the government to them more than anything is people building a community rather than just violence in the community so things like that where it was just nuts to me and just then you hear but that's just the way it is that's just and you're like man it's kind of it is what it is and he's like well like i guess keep moving forward like what much else is there to do because that's just what happened and i think i love the fact that you went changes after chaining day one because the ch the cha <laughs> ironic but then two just like the normalization of that and just like that's just the way things are i think that's another undertone of what cole was talking about in chaining day too it's been like this for so long and that's the reason why it's what we understand. Mm. Uh, and again, man, hip hop, bro. I love the connection you made between the Infinity movie and the fact that in real life your heroes were being murdered yeah. by the people that you, not you, because I don't know how you feel about that, but by the government, mm. which in theory, the way we're taught, those should be the people protecting us and honoring our rights and they're the very people who were stripping away the people who are advocating for us to have those rights uh, and but again I, I just I just don't know where else you can see that kind of a truth spoken so eloquently in such a timeless fashion than hip hop I think it's the only genre that lets you say it as plainly as it without you know like singing or having to make it in a necessarily super singy song structure um so it lets people just say the things that they feel like they need to say. And and I don't know if you want to add anything else to that song, 
but I feel like that's the perfect transition to my next song, bro. Let's go into it. That's the perfect transition for my next song. And mine's March Madness by Future. Mm. March Madness by Future, bro. Surprising pick. Yeah. It's a lot of people think. I did another, a couple uh, podcasts, like interviews like this about these songs. Mm-hmm. I don't always have one in there where people are like, oh, really? And I say, yeah. Well, why are you saying, oh, really? <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, so setting the stage again, right? So March Madness, it's an anthem, if there ever was one. Very much so. Yeah, it's a, it is an anthem. It is it is an anthem and will be. How long do you think that's going to last? This being an anthem? Yeah. Oh, man. Till we're dead? You think so? I think so. I think it's going to be one of those like, oh, man, remember? Yeah. Every single time that they put it on, yeah. I think it's going to be a big deal. Future's yeah. got a lot of those, by the way. He does. But we'll talk about that after you, you talk about. Uh, yeah, but so uh, right to the point. So uh, March Madness, Fire, Bomb.com, 56 Nights. That's mixtape, my God. First, just that's a whole separate conversation. Just it's very it's very difficult to stay on track. It is difficult. That's why I just want to stay on track. track. Yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, that was really good. That was really good right there. <laughs> Excellent job. This guy knows what he's doing. But in all serious, in all seriousness, whole mixtape, amazing. Whole mixtape, amazing. Mm. Man, but the reason why I included March Madness was not just because of the anthem for what it is in the club, but something that Future actually said in the song, which goes back to what you talked about on Changes, and then how it connected to my campus experience here at Butler. Oh. Yeah, bro. So, you know, the 56 Nights, I think it's written in Hebrew mm-hmm. on the cover of the mixtape with the black background and the white font. And then, um, or Arabic. It's written in Arabic. Arabic. It's written in Arabic. And then, um, uh, cop shooting niggas tragic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. amazing song, right? Yeah. Well, and I think March Madness dropped in what, 2016? 15. 15? Mm-hmm. So in 2015, I was March a- March 21st. March 21st, 2015. Mm-hmm. And I was a first year at that time. The year following, on campus, we released a list of demands to Butler. And we called the campaign March Madness. I see. And we recreated the the mixtape cover for 56 Nights for our, like, the mis- uh, student demand list campaign. And we went viral on Instagram, and we had it posted all across the campus. Mm-hmm. And it was another way in which we as black people in a predominantly white space leveraged hip-hop to articulate our experiences. And we ended up having scholarships developed for students increasing job opportunities for students on campus and putting a lot of things in motion that students now get to experience, but it was because this campaign called March Madness. And so, man, whenever I think about that song, I think about it's an amazing club anthem, Mm -hmm. but I also think about how we use an artist that most people would never associate with social justice who slips in this lyric that resonated so deeply at that point in time. Because, you know, 2014, 2016, how many black people do we lose to police violence? You know what I mean? It was a hot... Yeah, at the time. Yeah, come on, Doc. That. Come on, Doc. So when he said it, like, at the time, it was like, this makes sense that you would do that. It was like, oh, man, even Future is talking about this. This is serious. <laughs> but please go ahead. No, I mean, but that's a great point. Even Future's talking about this. It's serious. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do it in a way that was, like, forcing it. Yeah. You know, he did it in a way that was so subliminal, but it hit. And it hit so hard for us. We made a whole campaign about it. Mm-hmm. And so the success we saw there is why that song was always going to have a near and dear place in my heart. And 
the success of that campaign has lived through this university since then. Mm. And it continues to impact even the space we're sitting recording this interview. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So it, it nah, man, I, I had to, you talk about hip hop saved my life. That's a tumultuous time to be in as a student. You're trying to figure out how to pass your classes, how to pay for classes, and you're also trying to figure out how to get to class and not be called out of your name, how to be graded appropriately, treated appropriately. The existential period of being black while, you know, also figuring out who you are as a person and going through college, which is a very it's a very foundational time for quite, I mean, pretty much everyone who goes yeah. through it. It's a lot to be happening. So it's like already that enough is enough, but then also to have this, well, also there's this whole police brutality thing that's going on in the United States, but like really everywhere around the world, but you know, history, 400 years, da 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 da. Like it's just a lot going on. So it's madness. Yeah. There you go. You see, and and I just, I again is landing my plane here, right? Um, so something we did started a couple years ago was something called destigmatized trap rap, and the whole premise of it was trap rap, this subgenre of hip hop, is stigmatized in every which form and way. But when you really understand where hip hop comes from, and what a lot of folks and the origins of trap rap, it was about telling stories, and that's what hip hop is all about. It's about telling black stories. And this idea that Future, a trap rapper, was able to articulate a black experience through trap is the foundation of so many conversations that we have. We'll talk about Lil Baby, the bigger picture now, right? Mm -hmm. But before there was the bigger picture, there's a number of songs, but you have to mention March Madness in that category. And and it, it just did a lot for us and for me in my life at that time. I think another thing that's crazy about how he just kind of slips it in there in the chorus um, you know, cop shooting, nigga, tragic. It also makes me think of changes where it's like, but life yes. goes on. Come on, Doc. You know, it's like, yeah, this is also happening, but. Slipped it in there. Fuck it, we ball. <laughs> Another one. You know, come on now. Um, Yeah. The only thing I really want to talk about just for a moment in regards to 56 Nights and, uh, so not 56 Nights, but future in general during this time. Um, Come on, bro. 2015. Come on, bro. For future. Come on, bro. Is one of the Come most on, insane bro. years you Come can on, have bro. as a rapper. Come on, okay. bro. Again, talking about a mixtape era. Come on, bro. Okay. We've got Monster. Come on, This is in a 12, this is 12 months stand. <laughs> Man, bro. 12 months, bro. Monster. Beast mode. Come on, bro. 56 nights. Come on, bro. What a time to be alive. Come on, bro. And Dirty Sprite, too. Stop playing with me. Now. I'm not going to go into all the songs you that are on those that are kind of like classics. You can't, bro. I'm not going to do it. But what I will say is I didn't even realize I was a fan of Future, right? But then a few things told me you are a fan of Future. Okay, one year, Spotify tells me Future is your most to listened artist this wow. year. I was like, what? No way. Impossible. I don't even like Future like that. That's a lie. Wow. It's a lie. You love Future Troy. Spotify just told you. Um, I also had to ask myself, what am I dealing with? Yeah. What am I going through? Yeah. To be. I'm listening to Future. How am I treating people? Am I treating them okay? My friends still like me. Do the women in life still like me? It's real. Um, but another thing is, you know, I forgot about this, but like I had, well, Dirty Sprite 2 was really my entrance into like really 
mm. loving Future and then going back and listening to more Future stuff. Um, but I had a pod, I mean, a playlist on my phone of all of those tapes, mm. like just my favorite tracks from all of them. And I called it Dirty Sprite 3. Wow. You know, it had all the, my favorite songs from Dirty Sprite 2. Yeah. Not, not all of them because, you know, you just, now, you, now your playlist not really an album no more. It's, mm. I was trying to make an album. But it had all of that stuff. We're talking about five albums. He also had Purple Rain in there, I'm pretty sure. Uh, 2015? It, it was somewhere close by. This yeah, is, it was definitely close. This is, you got to think about Evol, too. And I think Evol may have came the year after. So it was a lot. Just a, just a nuts amount of putting out music. No other genres are making their artists put out that much music ever. Um, yeah, that was just kind of a nuts thing. Um, but yeah, that that's really all I had to say. It was that. That was just a nuts time. Future was a legend in that period. There was no, I don't, 2015, so Drake and, so, I mean, because they also teamed up mm-hmm. with What a Time, time to, be to Be Alive, alive. and did the whole thing. So that was really both their years in terms of just nuts years for them. But Future, you know, they were doing the whole meme with with him as Kobe with the five, yep. um, five championships. Like, it's just an era that is, hard to understand unless you were alive during that time which is what a lot of hip-hop is and a lot of music in general is so it's cool to be able to look back and be like dang like that was really going on and and, and lastly as you go to your next one go back to the tupac piece i always thought in 2015 future was doing tupac numbers because if you study Pac, Pac, you think about it. So, Pac did that too. Yes. Changes, you said it dropped in 98, but he recorded it in 92. Yes. To be able to save a song from 92 to 98, that means you got to have a hell of a lot of work to be able to put out. And that's why um, after he passed, he was able to still put out so much music. And it's because, bro, he was in that studio like it was really a job. And that's what Future was doing. People thought Tupac was still alive. Come on, bro, because how much music he Because he had so much music that keep coming. There's a, ain't no way he did. Mm. People still think Tupac alive now, yeah. but let him drop one track right now. I said, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Anyway, but you're right. Tupac was doing crazy stuff in that point in time. And that was at a point in time where they weren't asking for that much. No, he was just putting it out, bro. Music to be, you, you literally couldn't because that's like record labels wouldn't allow you. And that's why Prince got into his mm-hmm. argument with the record labels and stuff. Because they were worried that you would flood the market and then people wouldn't want to hear Tupac stuff yeah. anymore. It's basically how that worked. Um, but Future showed us that that is not true. Come on, Doc. If you really doing it and doing it well and at least how your fan base wants to hear it, you can put out as much music as you want to. And those were five amazing projects, bro. Those, those hit people a certain way. All right. We're going to go to the next one, which was a crazy one for me uh so i'm going to talk about the message by grandmaster flash yes, and the yes. furious five yeah. one of the coolest names you could ever come up with i was very mad that i couldn't have the name grandmaster flash after i discovered it was a name one time i was trying to be a rapper um so first of all this song came out in 82 the song is 40 years old now okay 40 40 years old my god all right there are people in my life who just turned 40. You know what I'm saying? But whatever. That's not what I'm going into. So, super old song, but still extremely timely, just like Changes was. Mm-hmm. But this is even older. 10 Come years older Come than Changes. So, I'm trying to think. I discovered this song because my father gave me a CD that was like hip-hop's greatest 
songs, right? Like a hip hop compilation CD, which doesn't even make sense in today's standards because what songs would you put on it? But at the time, this is probably the early 2000s. At the time, this was like all the classic hip hop, not all of them, but just some classic hip hop songs that you had to know. So I'm sure this CD had like uh, Sugar Hill Gangs, um, you know, it's hip. I'm pretty sure it had like Houdini's Friends, mm-hmm. which is actually a really big pop hit as well at the time. I think it had uh, Hip Hop Array by Naughty by Nature, mm. uh, Wild Thing by Tone Loke. Yeah, pops what you want. Just like a bunch of songs that made sense for hip hop at the time. This won't work today because there's it's too big a genre to yeah. even talk about. At the time, it was small enough where it made sense to even have stuff like that. Like, these are the songs that you should listen to if you're yeah, the hip-hop. From a branding perspective, yeah, that was you. And it was so new. I mean, at the time, of course, the CD had songs that were 10, 20 years old on mm-hmm. it, but it was still new enough and young enough that it would kind of make sense to give somebody something like yeah, this. Yeah. Anyway, great CD. Listen to it all the time. And the message is one of the songs that I never let go of i had the message on my ipod well because i used that cd and burned it on my ipod but i had the message on my ipod Mm -hmm. when i was a youngin and um at the time i memorized again one of the songs i memorized every single word Mm. it's a seven minute song by the way so and it ain't i mean the chorus is like a jungle sometimes and maybe wonder how i keep them going under come on (laughs) that's a that right there is a legendary hook i don't even know how you come up with that um, don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. Come on. I'm trying not, not to, to lose my head. head. <laughs> like, I don't even know what makes you write that down on a piece of paper and be like, this is the one. Yeah. But it was it's literally legendary. It's one of the most foundational rap songs ever made. Um, and a lot of people won't ever know about it now because we're just so far removed. Yeah. But it's still a huge, huge deal. So, Going into it, there's a lot of lines in here that now I've lived long enough to see them happen. Mm. And I was aware of them at the time, but it's different when you live it in your life. So I'm just going to talk about some of them. Yeah, um, I'm not going to go through every single line that's going to make you think about some stuff, but it's it's tough. One of the first things he comes in. Also, I like the way they deliver things because they wrapped a certain way. Broken glass everywhere. That's just how they talked back then on raps. But it's, it's cool. Anyway, so. Uh, he says, people pissing on the stage and they just don't care. I can't take the smell. I can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. It's being trapped in your neighborhood mm-hmm. or being trapped in your community is a horrifying feeling. Um, it sucks because what he's saying is they're pissing on the stairs because they don't care about their community. They don't mm-hmm. care about nothing that's going on here because in a way, they're like, why would I? Why would I care? It's already this bad. Ain't nobody trying to clean this up. So I'm just going to pee on my stairs. I live here. I literally live in this building. I have to walk up these stairs every day, and it smells like piss every time I come in here. That's a rough way to have to live. And a lot of people still live like that. I've been mm-hmm. to places like that. Thankfully, I've been blessed enough to not have to actually live in situations like that. But it's still like, damn, man. You hate that some people have that mentality about the places that they live. Um, and one of the other things that he just goes into is I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far because a man with a tow truck repossessed my car. Mm-hmm. 
Me and Last Chance Towing got beef right now. Okay. Y'all know, y'all know they was out to get me on the day I did the live show with T-Pain. And they took my car as I was packing it. I That's sick. put my stuff in the trunk, went upstairs, changed clothes, came back. My car was gone. That is sick. And I knew who had it. They stole my car. That's what happened. That's exactly what they did. That's what happened. I've, I've had my car code a couple times. And every Grand time, I'm like, they just stole my car. That's, that's, that's all that happened. And you got to go down there. Yep. And you give them the $250. Mm. You better give it to them with a smile. Mm. Really don't matter. They're going to give you your car back. Anyway, but don't go in there acting crazy because you're definitely not going to get it back. And they photocopy your license so that you can't go to your bank and be like, oh, yeah, I don't know what this charge is. Probably not me because they're going to send them. Guess what? Came down here, definitely copy this thing. They know what they're doing, but it's tough. But again, um, of course, he's talking about like they literally took his car and he can't get it back because he couldn't make the payments, most likely, which is also an, a horrifying thing because if you have a car, if you can't make the payments on that car, you're a person who needs your car. Yeah, I can guarantee that. That's deep. Um, you need deep. that car to get to work or whatever it is that you was doing, really to get to work. It's probably about all you're doing people who are poor is they're not it's not like they're not making any money Mm -hmm. they're not making enough for whatever the situation is because life has just gotten so tough for them um but then you know in that course he says don't push me because i'm close to the edge i'm trying not to lose my head we're living we are living so close to just i don't want to say like financial ruin but like your life is so heavily determined yes. by how much money you can make and just keep on your person. Where we're all, most of us, are like one bad thing away from, from being depression. just like the homeless people. I want to emphasize that. People who are out on the streets right now. We are no better than any of them. And it hurts me that uh, I can't assist as much. And this will probably come up later. And I know I'm not Superman. I can't do everything. But there's always that thing in your head. It's like, I can do better, though. Like, I can do mm. better than what I'm doing right now. And um, it just hurts you sometimes because you walk by and, like, people pretend they don't see them. And, like, me, like, I'll say, like, I act like I can't see you at the time because I just can't do nothing for you. And that's a horrible thing. But I'll own up to it. You know, a lot of people do the exact same thing. We all came out of a... Uh, Colts football game last weekend and it's homeless people on the street and it's so you know how many people gonna be in the Colts mm-hmm. stadium but everybody just walking by them. Mm-hmm. like these people basically I mean they're not you know yelling nothing like they're just sitting there but these people desperately need help and we're all just walking by but we'll get into that later um, there's a ton of things that he talks about he talks about a crazy lady living in a bag eating out of garbage pails I was walking to work or home, one of the two. It was early in the morning, and I remember seeing a woman, like, dig into the garbage to mm-hmm. eat something. And, like, I was like, dang. Like, that could be me. Easily. One, let one bit, let me get sick. Yeah. Or something like that. And that's it. And I'll be just like her. And I don't, you know, but it's like to see somebody doing that, because I'm sure it probably wasn't the first time. You, didn't, you know, that's not her first time doing that. And she was doing it in the middle of the night or early in the morning because, not really because of, I'm sure she was ashamed of it. Nobody wants to have to do that. But I'm sure it's more so because people will call the police 
if they see you doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cause you're doing all that you can do to try to survive. You're literally surviving. Um, and you know, you have to get past the smell and get past the point of like you're eating after someone else or you're literally eating garbage. Some of this stuff is spoiled, like, but you have literally no other options mm-hmm. because again, Indianapolis just made a law that cut off a lot of support for the homeless people in the city. Um, so it's some, you know, nut stuff talking about she had to get a pimp because she couldn't make it on her own. I've seen that. Malcolm X talked about a guy in his book where he would befriend new women into the city mm-hmm. and they start dating or something like that. And he said, Oh, let me get uh, your key as you know, they'd be in their apartment. Let me get your key and I can go out and get us something to eat. And so he would do that. And while he was out, he would get a copy of their key made and then come back, give her the food and they'd have their nice night or whatever. But the next day he'd rob them and take literally everything they owned. And then they'd be like, Oh my God, I don't have anybody. And you know, of course this pimp would be the only person that they knew. And that's how he get them every time. It's crazy stuff like that. People, they talk about people talking to themselves. And here I've seen so many homeless people out just talking to themselves everywhere. It's not, you know, unique. So the whole song just goes over all these things. And I'm not going to go into every single line because there's just so much. Every single thing is absolutely reality. And they were talking about this 40 years ago. They talk about double digit inflation. You're talking about some people facing some inflation right now. Everybody feels that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to go into every single line because I could have a whole episode probably talking about um, the message. But and it's going to hurt me when I listen back to this and be like, dang, I want to bring that up, that up, that up. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to go on for 40 minutes. So I'm going to let you say some of your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, man. The first time I, I learned about this song, wasn't even hearing it. It was studying in African American literature class, mm. and they started the semester with us doing a breakdown on hip hop language and vernacular through this song. Yeah, um, so it always has a, a warm place in my heart. Uh, but I think just the overarching idea of the message, like what is the message of the song, mm. and this idea of don't push me because I'm close to the hedge. I might just lose. Yo, you're you just talked about it right so one from an economic perspective there's so many people who are one bad situation away from being depressed economically but then we also got to talk about how our economic predicaments deeply influence our mental predicament and so like let's go back to what you said about either living in the buildings where people are pissing on the stairs to the way in which housing insecurity is criminalized and demonized Mm -hmm. so we see people as criminals but also something wrong with them because they they don't have a home, they don't have a place to stay. Yo, when you take what you said about everybody's one person, think about the person before they were scouring the trash. Think about who they were before they were asking you for pennies on a dollar. Yeah. And they, and that's the I think that's the message. And he's saying I'm so close to becoming the person I'm talking about. I yeah. think I'm gonna lose my mind. Mm-hmm. And that message remains true. Even today, as we're in a recession, and as most people, no matter how much money you make, are still living paycheck to paycheck. So, nah, man, it, it great choice, excellent choice, and that song was foundational for me in understanding the power of hip hop language for sure. Yeah. That, um, great choice on the song. Yeah, that's just a, it's a tough one. That is so many different things, so many different situations that you probably will absolutely see play out in your life. 
depending on what time of your life that you listen to it. Um, yeah, but I'm just going to leave that to be what it is. You can listen to the seven minutes if you can. I know it's old and age now, so I'm sure, you know, younger people listen to it's like, this is terrible. And like, I totally understand what you're coming from. If that's, you know, you live now, you, you know, what's hot now, but that song is foundational. Yes, it is. Yeah. So let's move on to your song. Uh, it's your last one, actually. Yeah, uh, man. We want to talk about Father Time by K Dot. Yeah. So let's 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 take you back. We don't have to go that far back. No, we don't. <laughs> um, but so when I heard it, so you know I do these walks in the park every week. Mm. You know they become essential to like my own mental health and self care routine. And I, I I have one park I typically go to but take brothers out to different parks. And the first time I heard this song was the first time I heard his album, Miss Miranda Big Steppers. And I was walking in that park. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this song was so good, I played it twice. And I never do that, because I love to listen to the album like the first way through. Yeah, yeah. Bro, I heard this. It happens sometimes. I said, hold on. Yeah. Ran that joint back. And I think it might be my favorite song on the album. And that's a hell of a project. Yeah. Hell of a project. Um, I think one thing and the reason probably why I chose it is because when I think about who I was when I fell in love with Ready or Not. Okay. To who I am now, like you said, 10 years later, Mm. listening to Father Time by Kendrick Lamar and, you know, Pogues Pogues Run Art and Nature Park, you know, five minutes from my home, where if the 16, 15-year-old me knew who I'd be in 10 years. A lot of that has to do with my relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And speaking for me, but just being aware of the role of a black father in a black boy's life, whether it be a positive role model or a negative influence yeah. or a lack of presence at all, that song, man, it, it just hit it so many different levels. It made me think about, you know, my pops was definitely in my life Man, we still had such a difficult relationship. So much so, I could relate to someone whose father wasn't in their life because mm-hmm. even the presence isn't always a gift. Yeah. It can become a challenge. And the way in which he articulated how his own personal struggles with fatherhood didn't impact the kind of father he was going to become. Because I don't know about you, but that album cover said a lot. I learned a lot of things about Kendrick Lamar yeah. that I did not know. People didn't know he had children. Bro, mm-hmm. I had no idea. I knew he had at least one because he referenced it like as a small thing in certain lines. Yeah, but. But I didn't know he had two. two. <laughs> I was like, what well, And I had no idea what they looked like. Mm-hmm. No idea what his partner looked like either. Yeah. And so I just, I just think that. And then also this idea of father time and mother nature and just all of what that means and those kind of being seen as these binaries, mm-hmm. but also like deeply playing into each other. Um, and then, like I said, just the way in which childhood trauma goes on to impact how you become older. But a lot of us are really just grown children still trying to figure out how to heal. Yeah. So nah, man, it, it uh, powerful, bro. Yeah. This song, uh, actually, so, you know, you guys don't know this, but 
I had actually chosen the mm. song as well. And then when Murdoch chose it, I was like, okay, great. I'm going to choose another song because yeah. I was struggling with my choices anyway. So I went with this one because I wanted to try to do like, you know, some more modern stuff. But uh, I think this is something that so many people can relate to in some way because he touches on, you know, everybody has you either grew up with a father mm-hmm. or you didn't. Right. Uh, so, so everyone has some sort of yep. relation to having a father of some sort. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Right. So, you know, my father in particular, we have a very we have a wonderful relationship. Right. But there's still some things that um, we struggle with or you deal with that he learned from his father and his right. father from him. So one thing in particular that I remember, even though, again, my father was a very uh, gentle and patient father. Right? That's great. Um, I saw a lot of people who did not have that, who had a father, but he was like very cold, very mean to them. Like they were afraid of their father. Yeah. That wasn't my experience. But again, nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. And you go through everything. And one of the things I remember which, again, I know this is something that he learned because it's something a lot of men learn, right? But I remember being on the football field, young, elementary school, and I remember uh, every time I saw my father, I would hug him. Mm. He would hug me. But on the football field, he was like, no, don't do not do that mm. here. And, like, I immediately understood, mm. but, like, you shouldn't understand That's deep. why. You know what I mean? And it was like, well, dang, like, I don't care about none of that. But, okay. Like, I get it. I, you know, we're out here. I know what we're doing. Um, and it's like, you shouldn't have to. You can't hug your father because we're in this super masculine area or whatever. What they going to do? Nothing. Except get ran over by your boy going for the Heisman this year. Anyway, um, but no, nah, it's like crazy that you have to deal with that sort of thing. Or like, certain, and this is just kind of masculinity stuff in general but it is passed down through our fathers if you are a man uh where it's like yeah. i remember i never seen my grandfather cry before mm-hmm. ever i've you know his mother i've been to his mother's funeral been to his father's funeral he didn't cry at either of them been to his brother's funeral he didn't cry there uh, i'm sure there was a point in time maybe when he was younger but i'm sure that it has been kind of stamped out of him not to do yeah. that and my grandfather is not a cold man either. He was very nice and cheery, at least to me, right? Grandparents change as they get older. Yes, but, they do. Um, but I know that that's something that was taught to him that he wasn't allowed to do that, right? And so I kind of, a lot of men face that thing of like, oh, well, I'm not supposed to cry out here ever. And and I don't feel that way anymore. But of course, we still all feel weird about like crying in public and stuff and have issues probably um even amongst our closest friends like really expressing some emotion because it's always been kind of stamped out of us i had a friend yesterday literally tells me like you know i I typically don't express my emotion whatever i'm really going through something right now i've talked to a lot of friends off the ledge because they just had no outlet until it was like i have no other options now so on all that stuff comes from our fathers we learn how to deal with a lot of that things through our fathers. So um, it's a beautiful song just talking about those relationships between a man and a father, which are kind of a rare thing. I mean, he even mentioned on some, let's give him a 
the ladies a break because we always talk about women having daddy issues, whatever. But like, no, a lot of men have real issues with their father, whether he wasn't there, maybe he was there and he wasn't the greatest father or whatever. Um, So it was wonderful to hear a song like this. And this is the beauty of rap getting older and having older rap stars. Kendrick and J. Cole are like 36, 37. We would not get this type of emotional maturity out of someone who was 19 to to 25 to whatever. So I think that's a beautiful thing about hip hop is that we now have aging stars in the sense of they're literally just getting older, not aging stars as in their star power has dwindled. That's a bar. And so they get to talk about certain experiences that we've never heard. New stories are always important. And more interesting than the one that we've heard a thousand times. So just like when Jay-Z dropped that whole, you know, investment. 444. 444, all that good stuff. That was like, dang, like I've never heard this type of stuff in rap before. And you're talking about Kendrick Lamar dropping a song about therapy. Oh, not a song. The entire album was about his relationships with therapy and how it's kind of dealing with his life right now and all that sort of stuff. And this in particular, this kind of song would not come out. 20 years ago just wouldn't it, we didn't have the capacity for it. we weren't even talking about mental health stuff this was not on section 80 <laughs> no <laughs> no it was not <laughs> so i think that type of stuff is beautiful to hear about fatherhood to hear about relationships with my therapist which is something that we've black community has just gotten on um at least in in waves like we are now so i think that's a really beautiful thing and there's really um there's so many things that you can talk about in terms of this but you know i'm gonna just leave it at what i've already mentioned talk to your kids tell them you love them especially your boys um they go through a lot of life with no one telling them that they love them so don't feel weird about that grown men with daddy issues yeah Powerful stuff, bro. But do you have any last thoughts on Mr. K Dot? I mean, I'm thinking kind of like you said about uh, the message. You know, this is a episode in and of itself. But again, just that idea because he said it a number of times. But just grown men with daddy issues. Mm-hmm. That's very provocative because he always talking about daddy's little girls mm-hmm. or daddy issues being related to women getting in relationship with certain kind of men because they used to have with their father. Yeah. But a lot of us. How many people they talk about, you know, your daddy went to jail, so you can do the same thing, mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, men look up to their fathers a lot of times more than anyone else. Absolutely, if they're in their life, I almost won't even listen to nobody else because I'm like, I have, I have a dad. Why would I listen to anything he got to say? Literally, I didn't have a mentor because I had a father. What? And it's a it's a blessing that that he and our relationship has grown the way that it has because mm-hmm. that's like that's my dog now. Yeah. It wasn't always like that, but that's my dog now. And, yeah. and it's, it's just at that point. And even if he wasn't in your life, there's certain things you're not going to hear because he wasn't there. Yeah. My mentor thing you said was real. I still, like, I struggle. I'm like, why would I? I ain't going to listen to this other grown man. I have a father. Yeah. I can go who, who knows what he's talking about, you know. And I know that he knows what he's talking about. It's not just, sometimes you can, you know, just because yep. they have that. Yep. Seniority. Or- seniority in your life or whatever, but. I think even now I struggle with like letting somebody else even guide me possibly. But also a lot of y'all are dumb. So Absolutely. 
foolish. That's also part of it. It is not just, I don't think I struggle with <laughs> leadership things. I'm, so I will gratefully listen to you if you have good ideas and, and I see that what you're doing is working. But most of you are not that smart. And I'm smarter than a lot of you. Yeah. That's just what the game is. I'm sorry. Well, don't apologize. You lost. I'm sorry for your loss. Okay. Um, that's all I got, man. Are you good? My dog, man. I appreciate the opportunity, bro. Yeah, man. For real. That's love. But if you, uh, well, I forgot my outro. If you stay this late, you're the MVP. <laughs> Shout out to you, man. And, man, so glad I got to do this again. It's been ages. So getting back into the swing of things. Uh, but I'll see y'all next time. Peace. <laughs>